8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So good evening to you. Two things to look at uh, on tonight's The Viewpoint show. Uh, we'll talk at nine. We get the big picture around uh, those mining accidents, mining incidents um, around the Sabania mine and what that really means. Um, there's certainly been a call from some people that need to get into administration. They need some assistance. Just far too many people dying. There are big issues around safety. But that will come up after nine o'clock as we try and really understand what's going on there. But as always, we start with what we call the big hitter. We get somebody in prominence holding up a, an important position in South African political and social life. And we get them to talk about a range of issues that clearly impacts on them and the country. And my guest today is uh, Dr. Tashmia Ismail, CEO of the Youth Employment Service. Everybody knows it as Yes, Tashmia. Good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Thanks for having me on. Let, let's confirm this, this Yes, right? It came about, what, virtually within a couple of days of, of the new president taking over. Is that right? Well, we had the CEO initiative, which was two and a half years ago, and this was CEOs um, and government concerned about the downgrades that were coming our way, the ratings agencies mm-hmm. were going to visit, and uh, there was great concern. Um, I mean, we know how that story ended at the time, but it was for government, business, and labor to work together on a collaborative platform to tackle some of the big national issues, and one of those is, of course, youth unemployment. Yeah. And uh, so, so it stemmed from there. But uh, things stuttered along. And uh, and then, of course, when President Ramaphosa uh, came in uh, in December, um, everything was reignited. And, uh, and yeah, we've had a lot so, of so movement. So can we, can we say it, it's not a coincidence? I mean, the planning happened a couple of years before. But, but the, the change then accelerated the process in the yes. last few months. Yes, definitely. Okay. Some of the you know, context, there's been some figures today around jobs and graduates not getting jobs and people battling. And I won't go through mm-hmm. all those figures now, but I think the key figure from some of the things I've read about you is like, what, six million young South Africans mm-hmm. unemployed. Yeah, six million. So that's, that's, that's over a, a third. Frightening figure, isn't that it? is over a third of our youth. And you know, you're talking about grads, but if you look at the nature of the six million, it's what we call neat, not in employment, education, or training. So these are young people that literally are sitting there with no pathways into the economy, mm-hmm. with nowhere to go. Um, and and it's, it, it's difficult because a lot of them don't have a matric certificate or they have a, a very basic matric. So, you know, grads, we could argue, have some kind of pathway. If we also look at the number of unemployed grads in the country, it's not a, a significant proportion of the unemployed. And, and yes, is really looking to see, you know, in township communities and in rural areas where infrastructurally and structurally, people are so marginalized um, that the pathways don't exist. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, and it's interesting we're talking just before we get to the end of Youth Month, so I think it's very appropriate that we do just that, right? But the, the six million, we'll get into, into what your project means in a second, but h- how did we get to that position where, where so many people, as you said, they're effectively unemployed and unemployable by and large, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're unemployable because what we're finding is when we're able to um, profile young people with tests that are non-biased, the tests that are sort of gamified, not uh, language heavy or reading heavy, you actually find that there's incredible capability and competency in many of these young people, but they don't have a market signal to say, give me a chance. Mm, um, mm, uh, you mm. know, I have uh, I have teenage children. One is going to be 18 uh, at the end of the year. Um, and 
you know, I would be afraid of hiring her. <laughs> okay. You know, you know, kids yeah, are. Yeah. You know, mm, I'm calling mm, them kids, but um, mm, young mm. people are, are tough hires psychologically. But actually, if you get the right young person into that into that position, they can make your business fly because they take to technology easily. They take to change easily. They can be a breath of fresh air. Um, you know, you can transfer skills. Uh, the the issue is that there's a perception that young people are hard to hire. So we we also need to figure out cleverer ways in the absence of a matric certificate or a, or a poor matric let's let's still figure out a way that this person's not lost to the economy and, and historically if, if you had the absence of a matric certificate or a poor one were you almost like discarded already i would say today as well i would say that if you don't have a market signal which is you know people recognize a certificate of mm, some sort mm. um and and if you haven't been able to do online courses how how are you going to prove that you are actually under those layers there's there's a, a prodigy there's a, a coding genius or a, mm, a poet mm, or whatever mm, it might be because you you still need some exposure you need some exposure to foundational level knowledge to be able to unlock that kind of potential so if you've never seen a 3d printer in your life if you've never uh, you know be, had access to the internet to understand what coders do how do you even know that type of job exists or that you have a propensity to do it yeah it's a very very puzzling thing i tell you what questions are certainly welcome from your side as we chat to uh, dr uh, tashmir ismail who's our big hitter for the night 0891104207 you certainly can call in if you are tweeting it's hashtag sfm viewpoint tag me ashraf garda tag sfm radio as well now now let's then get get to this youth employment service so so and i know you spoke at length about it a few months ago but but spell it out what exactly does it do so we're here to address um, youth unemployment by trying to create one million work opportunities. I mustn't use the word try. Mm. Manifest. That's, that's, we will create one million work opportunities. The first criticism we get or the first question we get is why do you talk work opportunities? Why do you talk about a one year work opportunity? The reality is beyond the one million, there's still another five million unemployed youth. We have the reality of very, very low sluggish growth. In the absence of growth, businesses don't want to hire. It's difficult to create jobs. We need to be able to what what's the the next best case scenario we can go for? Mm-hmm. Can we de-risk a young person? Can we give them a year? to prove their abilities, prove their skills. I can wake up on time. I can be here. I have growth mindset. I'm going to be an asset to this business. Can they um, either make themselves indispensable in that year or can they leave with a reference letter that is a signal for the next employer to say, ah, you know, I, I'm not taking a huge risk on this person. I'm not going to be sitting at the CCMA mm, having mm, made mm. a mistake and I don't have time in my business. I'm running so many things. Uh, I really don't want to get caught up in the whole, uh, you know, labor soup. Um, so, so it acts as a signal. The research tells us it's such a powerful signal that it increases the young person's chances three times to get a job. Once, and okay. Yeah, once they have a reference letter and some proof and evidence that they've worked. And for a young woman, it's 86% more likely that they get a job okay, after that's crazy that. so so let's get back to so the six million if we didn't have this project the the youth employment services mm-hmm. normally it would be what just just hoping somebody gives them a job right now now there's a very specific program that does what 
Well, look, I mean, if we take Karambi, if we take the NYDA, a lot of them are working on the youth side mm. to, to place. Now, when we looked at the ecosystem, a lot of these agencies are doing incredible work. I think nobody would argue that if you go to Harambi, this is a really fantastic operation. But the reality is we don't have jobs. So what the Youth Employment Services is is attempting to do is look at the structural realities around where unemployment occurs. So it's townships, which is 60% of our unemployed, which is the World Bank figure, and it's rural areas. So what we're saying is can we ignite can we catalyze economic activity in these communities and drive the growth of SMEs? So we know that SMEs lead economic growth. Mm, we mm, know we're mm. near the number of SMEs we need in our country to create uh, employment and GDP growth. We should be at 80 90% on those. Um, and so if we can couple what we have to couple, employment and SME growth in communities where people are, and use that big business investment. So what YES has is... Uh, the DTI were, were were really forward thinking in working with Yes to create an incentive on the BE, uh, well, a recognition on the BE scorecard that should you put 1.5% of net profit after tax towards creating youth employment opportunities, that you could get a level up on the scorecard. You have to be doing BE to okay. be able to do mm-hmm. yes. So you can't not do other BE and say you, you're going to do yes. And we can only give you one or two levels. So we're not going to make you a BE star if you aren't already doing work. But it is a it is a beautiful move in the right direction to become really broad based to an incredibly vulnerable group of, of, of young black youth. Okay, so that's interesting. So so you're saying outside of normal ways of employing people here companies will be rewarded by those PE points. But prior they do other stuff as well and ostensibly, but there's an additional incentive for them to employ effectively a well an certainly an inexperienced person, right? Yeah. So the the companies um, uh, it, we call it a recognition. We're saying that this is important. It's part of country duty. It's part of building a society mm-hmm. that is functional. So we, so, so the DTI are recognizing you. And there's, there's an important mm-hmm. distinction mm-hmm. there philosophically. Mm-hmm. But this is for unemployed people. It, you know, sometimes if, if a person hasn't been working for five years, they're effectively unemployed. And so they may have worked before, but yes, you are giving them a chance to break back okay. into We're the workspace. We're going to see what, what that really means as well. There and everywhere. SAFM 107FM in Gruenstadt. Okay, so 104 for now. We'll give you updates on that game all throughout the next hour and a bit. My guest, Dr. Tashmi Ismail, CEO of the Youth Employment Service, acronym just being YES, 0891-104207. Wherever you may be, if you have any issues on with regard to Youth employment, how do they get employed? What about this concept? Have you heard much about it? Yes, youth employment services, do you think it works? What about you as an, as an SME in particular? Does that resonate with you? Have you taken advantage of that? There could be questions you may want to ask. Let's get, let's get a couple of calls in the meantime. Jay is on the line. Uh, Jay, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Ashraf, and uh, good evening to our guests. Yes, Thank you. Ashraf, as a uh, youngster and teenager, mm. uh, my dad encouraged us to do part-time work, even volunteer, even uh, to the extent of helping my neighbor wash the windows or maybe cleaning the house. And uh, we were asked to get letters of recommendation and appreciation and accreditation. And with the result, we showed these to our teachers in school and they asked us to keep it. 
when the day comes for employment, we this was our reference and CV. And that stood me in a good stead. And I was able to psychologically handle any kind of a work situation. It wasn't like baffling and shocking, getting in, uh, taking responsibility, whatever the job was. But eventually, I was so totally geared, I, I stepped into many uh, careers like nursing, mm-hmm. teaching, and a saleswoman. And I am still carrying on. Okay, well, I, yeah. yes. well, I tell you yes. what, n- nice, nice story to share, and I think we'll certainly get uh, my, my guests' opinions on that one. There, uh, Jay, thanks for that call. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, she, I mean, she's giving a personal testimony, but but that's precisely what you're saying, right? You need to get into that market, some markets, and then things will change for you. Absolutely, I mean, I love that story because we are, we, you know, it's exactly the same sort of advice that we give to youth. We call it growth mindset, mm-hmm. and we're saying that a lot of of, of being stuck is is Part of it is mindset. And so if you are out there volunteering, you are learning soft skills, work readiness Mm, skills. What mm. does it take when people are successful in a business space? What is their attitude? How are they how are they interacting with people? And volunteering is you can do that. Anybody can get out there and do that. You've got stuff to put on your CV. But I think more importantly, being in the world of work is about how you manage the relationships around you and the expectations around you. And that's actually where we're seeing a lot of youth uh, are struggling in those first few months is with the soft work readiness piece. So they've, they've done either they've done matric or they've, they've done some short course and, and they can't get placed anywhere. Yes, they can't get placed or they really struggle. Once they're in that job, because it's the soft stuff um, that really makes the difference. And again, you know, I'm gonna, I'll keep citing research because we're really big mm-hmm. on using research and best practice. We don't want to make the same mistakes people have made before. And if you keep doing the same things and, and, you, and you're not getting a good result, you've got to change what you do. So we, we will keep citing uh, research. But it does tell us that the most successful employees are doing well on the growth mindset soft pieces. It turns out that initially the technical stuff is not as important because you can teach it. Um, but the, the attitude is what gives an employer the patience um, to and transfer. It's interesting. I mean, you'd call so, – so the attitude is described as a soft skill – but ultimately, it's probably even more important than, than embracing technical skills. Yes, because the technical skills can be taught and someone is willing to pass them on to you if you're showing the right learning attitude and growth attitude. Okay, let's go back then to, to your original point about getting business in one year to hire one million people and they'll, they'll, get, they'll get some points on their BE scorecards, right? So not in one year, over a, just over three years. Oh, sorry, over a yes, three-year period yes. to get to one million people. Now, now, the critic may say, well, if they are able to employ these people, why can't they employ them anyway? What are, what are they, why are they waiting for you? You know what I'm saying? This is an important part of our strategy. If you look at a big business around the world, corporate around the world, um, headcount is, is, is lowering. There are very few... Um, businesses in the top end that will grow with growing headcount. They grow with algorithms, they grow with efficiencies, digitization, automation. The disintermediation caused by fourth industrial is not a blue collar issue. It is across the board. Lawyers, 
um, accountants, anything that can be mechanically done uh, via the algorithm. In fact, even more than that is is disintermediating. Mm. What is exciting for us is on the consumer end of things, uh, Fourth Industrial is actually opening a huge number of new jobs that we wouldn't have imagined 15, 20 years ago. Like like what? Because, I mean, obviously, skeptics will say, no, we're all losing our jobs and they're concerned about artificial intelligence and all that sort of thing. Yes. So you would lose it. I mean, if you're a CA and your company has decided to invest in in AI and you're doing just very conventional, non-imaginative, non-strategic work, you are at risk of being replaced. But when we talk about jobs opening, if you look on the other end of the market, if a young person has got a cell phone, they suddenly become an agent. They can sell data. They can gather data, uh, customer insights, for example. They can use it as a distribution tool. They can use it as an inventory management tool. Mm -hmm. Um, They can do it to do what we call gig work or gig economy work. If we teach them basic coding skills, they can do pieces of coding. Uh, This Washington unit we work with, Skills for Youth Employment, have taken – you know, middle-aged, illiterate women in Kosovo. And because of the way they've structured the coding jobs, these women are able to do bite-sized pieces of a bigger coding okay, job. Wow. So, so there's, there's a whole taxonomy that we are building with this de- uh, department. And I know Harambi has also started some of this work. Mm-hmm. But there are a few of us uh, in, the, in the country that are starting to actually log and list what are these types of jobs. BPO jobs out in the boondocks are very possible. So, so you sound a lot more positive in terms of and I'm only talking about those who are skeptical about this fourth industrial revolution that you speak about. Say, so hold it, understand what it does, what skills you need to embrace, uh, and whether you're younger or older, in fact, you can put yourself in a very pivotal position if you, if you, if you embrace it well as, as opposed to sort of be shielded from it, right? There's, there's not, we're not going to be able to escape it. This mm. is one of the things around technology and the movement of, of the planet over mm. time is, is that when technologies come out that make people's lives easier, that people embrace it will it will get to you but it's how you are able to pivot to find the opportunities in that and because one of our big issues has been from apartheid uh, planning that young people who are unemployed are cut off actually physically you know they're distant from where the job centers are uh, but with virtual this doesn't matter because we have virtual railroads mm, and, mm, and, mm. and these can carry jobs all the way into these communities. And not all digital jobs require coders. There are a whole range of digital jobs that can integrate you into the economy in a way that you don't need to be a coder. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so to go back to, to the original point, when it was launched, um, you, you were saying that there'll be, you're going to get some businesses, in this case, big businesses. Uh, so ideally, small businesses should employ, but you're saying if small businesses can't afford to employ, you can have a relationship between the big business and the small. Have I got that right? So that's a critical mm. part of the plan. We know that if big business doesn't grow with headcount, if a big company has got a target of 3,200 jobs, mm. you know, one of our banks has their target, mm. 3,200. If you look at what they can actually fit into the infrastructure, because their big problem is how do they reduce headcount? They would fit maybe 200 of that target. What do they do with the 3,000? Yeah, yeah. But there's a way to pay for those 3,000 jobs in a way that, that has a snowball effect, a flywheel effect in an economy. So the big company is going to pay that salary, but we will set the young person up in a job in their community or close to their community. Okay, that's fantastic. So yeah. you don't leave your child alone at five o'clock in the morning and see them in the evening. You're not spending a third of your salary trying to catch multiple taxis to get there. And we know these jobs are really thin. 
there, there aren't a mm, lot of them mm, mm. in the urban centers. So if you are in Bushwick Ridge, you know, mm, mm, where, where mm. are you going? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, if you are giving a person a job in the community and it's someone who, you know, where language skills are, I speak the local language, the, the, the sort of cultural distance in the job is just reduced. So apart from, you know, saving the money and being closer to your kids and protecting social fabric, you learn a lot more because you aren't in a in an environment that is so foreign and so different that your anxiety sort of cuts you off from being able to learn and move in that job. Okay, so is that, is that happening where where big business now will effectively employ these people, although they have no space in the infrastructure, yes. and then and then second them to what smaller community-based companies? Exactly, that is the plan. Sometimes it's within an existing SME in a community, and sometimes we're starting all new enterprises. If you look at MTN's model, MTN's doing what we call super agents. These super agents will be based in communities. Um, MTN will be launching its its mobile wallet, and these will be the agents for its mobile wallet. So they they're almost like independent entities mm, operating. Okay. They'll have this baseline salary in the background that helps support them over a year as they learn this trade. And these super agents will be training other trainers um, and they'll be training other youth. So, you know, again, you're transferring the skill in terms of the way you hire, who you hire and what those seeds and, and are. And I mean, overall, do, do you get these big businesses to actually give a commitment? Yes. To say what? We will hire how many people? So remember, if they want to do this from the BEE perspective, they would have to do 1.5% of net profit after tax. Divide that by 55,000, which is your 3,500 minimum wage salary, plus um, sort of a buffer placement fee of 13,000. Mm-hmm. That gives you a target. That's how I mentioned okay. one of the bank's targets is 3,200. Okay. And they will then elect to place those young people into community. So they have a list of options of where they can place young people. In my business, in an SME, in an NGO, in a community, in my value chain, in my supply chain. That's a beautiful way to capacitate a company's supply chain. You help them out with labor to mm. grow their businesses and productivity. So there's a whole lot of options for how companies can embrace this. We are having bespoke workshops, customized design thinking workshops with the big target companies to help them think about inclusive business models. How do you use BE as an innovation fund? How do you use it to practice inclusive business models? And it hasn't been done before. It's, you know, the thing is, it has been done, but the difficulty with innovation is you try to take it back into a big beast of a company that has its organizational processes mm, and routines, mm. and it's hard to make it fly because everybody's got a way of doing things. The beauty with yes, the CEO has signed off. The BEE funding is there to drive this. So you may as well just craft a business model that makes sense. That's, we, we talk about ROI for community, company, and country. And we want to try to tick those three Absolutely. boxes. And, and this to confirm will come from the CEO. Because, I mean, normally, if, typically if someone is looking for a job, it would be like, you know, finally if somebody knows somebody at HR and then send your CV. Are you saying not the commitment to hire you, but the commitment to hire people will come from the very top? Yes. The CEOs okay. need to sign a pledge before we will okay. allow them. 8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Garda. So to recap, you may know just a few days or a few weeks after President Ramaphosa became the president, uh, he also announced this organization of the concept called Yes Youth Employment Services. The CEO who holds it up is my guest tonight, Dr. Tashmiya Ismail, so CEO of the Youth Employment Service. Some of the some of the uh, tweets, um, I've got uh, Pumezo just saying, I recommend Harambi. It's a place to learn work, behavioral aspects such as 
positive attitudes, resilience, uh, punctuality. By the time you get a real job, you will not have issues with regards to organizational behavior, uh, which I think is something we've touched on. Spiro is freaking Dalinievo saying, are they, the yes folk, preparing the youth with skills on tilting land? Now that land is coming back from Europe, perhaps you may want to answer that in terms of a, of a new innovation in terms of what they need to learn. I love that. I love mm. the, the, the concept of taking land and, and really rethinking it. Mm. One of the um, authors that we use as, as an influencer is Joe Studwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband introduced me to his writing. He's done some beautiful work in economies that looked like ours, um, uh, Vietnam and uh, Uh, Taiwan and South Korea, where they talk about the returns globally on big commercial farms have never been good. But where your returns are good, where you find growth coming from is what they call almost – Extensive gardening, very right. productive so farms, s- small. small, highly productive farms. Now, technology has taken that even a step further because we have hydroponics and aquaponics. A vertical hydroponics farm can give you the same output as a four hectare farm. And you can control the variables that used to make farming so difficult, like the weather, because you're doing it inside of greenhouses or containers. Um, You're also using IoT, uh, Internet of Things. So you Mm, can put mm, IoT mm. in there, you can put sensors in there, and you can almost have digital recipes. You know, how do I increase my output, my nutritional content? It tells you what button to press if you need more nitrates. That sounds so fantastic. So you know, away from the political debate that's taking place, and it's going to happen in terms of some sum of, of change around, around land, is that something that it, you'd be already looking at now to say, once people get land, you don't want them to just think of land as what they had 500 years ago or 200 years ago. They need to be able to uh, you know, cultivate in a, in, a, in a unique way. And, and, and the, the technology you speak about just allows that. Isn't the it? technology allows you to, to cultivate without all of these variables impacting farming, which is, which is a very difficult uh, career to take. But what it also allows you to do is with limited land. It allows you to do it on urban land. It allows female-headed households to be able to form cooperatives together and and produce quantities of things. So, you know, everything that we do can be enhanced by using technology. And uh, to be honest, if I was a young person again, you know, the, mm-hmm. it, it appeals to very few young people to mm-hmm. put on gumboots and stand out and pray for rain. Yeah. But if mm-hmm. you are giving them something sexy around agriculture and making it digital and allowing them to control so much, so many more of the variables, you also create different layers of jobs and excitement around the program. They, they probably need to see that bigger vision and it needs others to sell it to them. So those hubs person, that we're yeah. building, so we we identifying value chains. I agree is one of the value chains mm-hmm. that we identify. Okay. And we're creating what we call nodes in our value chains. And these nodes are hubs. They're little, um, not always so little, but they're community facilities that we're putting up. And these community facilities will bring in skills and best practice and most importantly, exposure. So we will have the one we're opening in Tembisa on the 28th. So we'll that's, have a that's hydro- now. That's, that's now. That's okay. this week. Um, that's our first one. We, we're actually going to have built on it a a hydroponics farm, a working model of a hydroponics farm. And some of our first youth jobs are around these hubs. We will have youth stationed 
in the hub as barristers, as uh, business development support people, as mm, marketing okay, people wow. to help the businesses and young people that come in with the support services. And then we'll actually have people working in the live hydroponic farms. So while they're working for that year, they're also learning the hydroponic skill. And so they de-risked when they want to buy their own hydroponics farm, they'll have this year's experience to say, I know how to work this. And again, from the financing perspective, we're hoping that'll de-risk them for credit. Okay. And, and, and so far since the project uh, overall has been launched, how many people have, you know, in terms of that one million original number it makes sense you can't go for the five or six million you have to be practical how many people have been placed so far so we can't place because remember that the the launch preceded the dti gazette okay so the gazette comments uh, closed two weeks three weeks ago they're dti processing at the moment we're hoping it'll be promulgated in mid-july um we've got on paper commitments from companies around numbers um and I don't want to announce the number until we're certain that the Gazette rules are sort of what companies are expecting. Uh, if they are, um, we'll be able to start rolling out with reasonable uh, placements within the first month. Okay. And, and can you mention companies? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've ha- the companies have been so amazing. They deserve mention. You know, we've worked with Standard Bank, Sassol, Ned Bank, all the big banks, ABSA, um, uh, Telcom, Barlow World, um, MTN announced out loud. Mm, Woolies okay. have been mm. star players, you know, from the outset, really working closely with us. So, so we've had we've had some really great support from big companies, understanding that this is country duty. Some of them, do, Sunlam uh, is one of those. Uh, Investec, of course, Investec have been you know big supporters. Mm, mm. In fact, this hub that's coming up in uh, in Tembisa, the model is that we use ED funding from companies to set the infrastructure up. And that is funded by Unilever, um, by uh, Investec, and by Sunlum. So Unilever have also been one of the early adopter companies. Okay, that's interesting. And, and what about smaller businesses? Have you been able to get to them, or will that come later on? No, so we started that. On our website, yesforyouth.co.za, there are four buttons. The four buttons allow you to enter as a different stakeholder. So there is one for SMMEs. We are building a national SME database. Believe it or not, we don't have one as a country. Well, that's incredible. It's incredible. It? I don't, you know, you, you, you've yeah, got to have wow. a database to be able to give um, open innovation opportunities that market access will happen if you have a well-run national database where the data is verified. We're also trying Mm -hmm. to work on um, like an Uber rating scoring system. So if you need uh, cupcakes on a Friday afternoon um, and it's urgent, you can go into the database, find your region and find a cupcake maker with five stars. I mean, and we're hoping to get, like to use, yes, yeah, yeah. and we're getting, we, we're hoping that this database allows us to give more sophisticated training to SMEs that allows them to do more than the catering work and the gardening work, that we can start by you know, doing very specific sector strategies where we understand the gaps in those businesses better because they're rated. And every time they deliver, the person they deliver to says, this is what was missing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and if we can start to do that, we're far more targeted in our spend around sector building strategies or sector uh, capacitating strategies. Well, that's important because otherwise a lot you get lots of wastage, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. lots so, of scattergun so, approach. Okay, so, so one, you're saying SMMEs can, can register. Yes, on right? the website. And big an business, SME. I take, is a given, right? Yes. Big business has got one that says, I want to host youth. Um, SMEs have a button that says, I want to be in the SME database. I want to be an SME host. Can, 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 a, can a young person who's unemployed, 
you know, also go on there and say, employ me? Yes. So there's a youth portal where mm-hmm. you can put your youth details in. Uh, we are sharing um, data with Harambi. Harambi have got years of experience in, in managing youth databases. So if you are registering on the youth database for YES, you will be in Chepa 1 million. You'll be in Harambi's pipeline. We want to we take the noise and friction out of this. Young people shouldn't think, where do I put my CV? You know, what's it going to cost to put it in different places? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so by integrating these databases, you give them the best possible chance of being found. And, and do they know that, younger people? I mean, again, normally unemployed, out of a job, looking for something and, and just trying to apply. Do they know that in, in today's times, they can, if they log on to a database, yes, you know, it may not be an automatic hit, but it certainly puts them into a space that they didn't know about before? If you go to urban centers and you go to these internet cafes, there's there's, there's queues of of young people uh, trying to get their CVs into databases. The tragedy here is the the lack of knowledge or access um, and the the vulnerability of of needing a job so desperately does make them victims quite often of fly-by-night schemes that charge young people huge amounts of money um, to get put in a database and they're not going to have a better chance in that database. So, uh, you know, in, in urban centers, I think they can. I think the problem is data and access and knowing how to build a good CV. So on our website, uh, you will find resources for young people to say, have you thought about what you're putting on your CV? You actually have a lot of skills you may not have thought about. It's a little, there's a little psychology exercise to help you unpack what your your superpowers are yeah, and yeah. how to put that in. We've also got material on interview skills. Have you honed your interview skills? Because remember, putting your CV in a database, making it a good CV, mm. ensuring that if you do get that call, are you going to impress? Are you going to be the one in 50 that, how, that how interview says? How do you do that? How do you impress ultimately? I mean, so, certain facts and figures so you know if you're looking for an accountant you're not going to hire a tailor some things will, will show off immediately but still there's maybe 20 others who are doing the same thing how ultimately you know what's the key to to standing out well, some of this is basic stuff if you've got a person who's going through a pile of 50 CVs mm-hmm. and, and look and some of these are 20 some of the companies are telling us they get 20,000 CVs yeah, when they put something out there is don't have typos you know, a typo might not seem like a big thing, but if you're going through 50 or 100 or 1,000, the typos are the one you, ones you immediately put, uh, uh, you know, out of the, mm, or take mm. out of the pile. That's the first piece. The second is tailoring your CV for the job that you want to go for. And then in the actual interview, it's there's a magic that happens. I think employers pick up on the energy and the mood of the young person, which is tough because if you've been out of work for a long time and you've sort of convinced mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. that you're useless, so there's a lot of psychology to convincing someone that Should you, you deserve it. Should you embellish yourself to say, even if you can't, you need to just up your game, even if you, you don't really mean it in your heart? I think upping your game is important, but I think embellishment can be dangerous because the last you, you want to be able to give an employer a sense that you will work and you will grow and you will learn and you will try to be, you know, the best employee possible. But you also don't want to raise expectations and then disappoint. So there's a, you know, there's a fine balance between portraying yourself as confident mm-hmm. and on the day upping your game um, versus just telling untruths about what you're okay, capable of. Now, the of. other part, and it's amazing, we've got about 10 minutes to go chatting to um, Dr. Tashmia Ismail, CEO of the of Yes, the Youth Employment Service. The, the, the other part, which you said from the beginning, you know, uh, Harambe, you've mentioned, uh, and the NYD, and there's been all these projects around, you know, job creation. There was also a job summit that I think, I think I MC did a few months before your launch, right? You know, are you talking to each other? Is there duplication? What? 
So we have an MOU with Harambi. Harambi mm. were on the task team that formed ES. Um, and we have a deep respect for the expertise Harambi have built. Um, we, we're working in communities, like I said, around the hubs and to drive new jobs creation in communities. We're spending a lot of time there. The bottom line is we don't have jobs in the community. So if we want to do something different in the ecosystem, um, this is where we're going to drive the corporate investment and a lot of our energy is can we create these new age 21st mm -hmm. century jobs that overcome the liabilities of living in a place that's been marginalized for a, for a very long time? How do you respond to, you know, that minimum wage debate uh, that has been ongoing now? And, and the flip side of that is, look, even if I can't pay you, I'd be happy to just get you to come here as an unpaid intern. What, what's your thoughts on that? Keeping in mind the original point you made, which is just if you get in and there's growth there, you will grow if you've got some talent ideas to get in. Look, young people have agency. Uh, a young person who wants to learn and is offering their services, um, you know, I've done that in my lifetime. I've offered services at places and I've done it as a volunteer. And that is a young person's choice. Yes, has to, if it's, a, if it's an official yes job, it will need to attract a minimum wage of 3,500 okay. rand a month. But but beyond yes, the principle of people, uh, of young people going up and say, you know, I'm prepared to do something for even nothing. What what are your thoughts on that? If if I look at um, some of the CVs that we've seen, um, there seems to be rather have something <laughs> on your CV that shows that you've kept yourself active, that you have tried. Um, you know, you, you mm, can get mm. into a spiral of depression and psychological isolation if you aren't out there and interacting and you forget what it's like. Are you to saying interact. that there's a worth when you get paid 100 rands even to, say, deliver a newspaper or, or, or to talk on radio, whatever it is, th th it puts a worth next to your name, isn't it? And that's important. I mean, it's a personal choice. Mm. Like I said, you know, my, my view on it, if I was out of work, I would want to volunteer uh, to keep myself active and, and, and relevant and keep my skills honed. Um, and so, yes, I would do things in the interim. But, uh, you know, we, we can't. I think the, 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 the big trick here is you don't want to legislate it. You don't want to demand it. You don't want to be prescriptive about it. It needs to be the choice of that person. Absolutely. I'm very curious to know what, uh, what's the president's support because we know he does support it, what that means, and the other issue of, of graduates um, and whether they're actually learning the right things as well. We'll do that in a second. Let's get that halftime score uh, in that Argentina-Nigeria game. Here's Mohamed Ali. Thanks very much, Ashraf. Yes, it's uh, Nigeria trailing by a goal to nil. That goal coming from uh, Lionel Messi. What a well-taken goal it was by uh, the Barcelona maestro after 14 minutes. A long pass from Eva Benega that was well taken with his uh, thigh and... Uh, striking it past the 19-year-old Nigerian goalkeeper Francis Ozoho to make it 1-0 and that gave Argentina the kind of confidence that they were looking for. If Nigeria had taken the lead, a fragile Argentina side may have buckled but they've got the perfect start and uh, Messi then uh, had a free kick uh, television replay showing us that the goalkeeper actually got a fingertip to it and uh, putting it against the upright otherwise it could have been 2-0 and uh, tickets for Nigeria but they still are in the game but uh, they haven't really 
really threatened up front. Uh, it's been no uh, real pass and movement from the midfield. Victor Moses, we haven't seen much of him down the flanks like, like we did in the last game against Iceland. We haven't seen much either of uh, Kelechi Iheanacho and uh, perhaps Odian Igalo may get a chance uh, to run out in the second half. In the other game, it's uh, still goalless. So if things remain as they are, it will be France against Niger- uh, Argentina on uh, Saturday in the quarterfinals and uh, Croatia will face Denmark. But uh, still lots of uh, 45 minutes of action for things to change. Nigeria need to make history and beat Argentina for the first time in five attempts at the World Cup if they are to progress to uh, the uh, last uh, 16. So halftime then in St. Petersburg. It is uh, Lionel Messi's goal that separates these two sides. It's uh, Argentina 1, Nigeria 0. Muhammad Ali for SABC Sport. The first cuts have been made in the audition rounds. Now, watch the final cut to see which guy and girl survived the different elimination rounds to ultimately feature on an SABC drama. There is melodrama, victory, failure, tension and a lot of emotions. Remember to watch Mondays at 7.30pm from the 26th of June. SABC 3. The stage is yours. No, 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 I remember. Not again. But I'm trying, my love. Well, you need to get help. Are you struggling to get things started in your relationship? At Men's Clinic, we have the expertise to help you reignite the spark. SMS help to 32110 or WhatsApp us on 072-315-2574. Men's Clinic International, for help with your relationship difficulties. Woo! <laughs> yes! That's my man! Take your life from ordinary to extraordinary. Enroll now for a Mancosa postgraduate diploma and qualify for four credits onto our prestigious MBA program. Register now. Mancosa, Southern Africa's leading distance private higher education institution and proud member of Honors United Universities. Visit our website www.mancosa.co.za or SMS Mancosa and your email address to 34745 Mancosa. Dream it. We'll take you there. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. We're going to talk mining safeties, mining disasters as part of our big picture coming up after nine. But for now, we're talking about youth employment, jobs for youth. And, and based upon what we've said, does that stir you in any way? I'll get some details in a moment. Dr. Tashmia Ismail with me, CEO of YES, which is a youth employment service. Some comments I've got there. Um, Ashraf, people keep, keep on occupying land in Mokopani, uh, building homes next to the bank of the river, where can we develop our young future agriculture? Your your guess mail may be of help. So maybe you can give us some details just now on that on that one there. There's another one. Apart from unemployment issues, the start from imperative imperatives planned through vision at childhood, encouraged by parents' involvement in entrepreneurs as a direction point. This eventually determines whether he or she has a vision to be an employee or an employer. They must have business operative skills before Relied on government or industrials from Les Salima. And there's another one. Um, Ashraf, I'm enjoying your guest passion, enthusiasm and optimism. It gives me hope from Dr. Phil Mahuma from Midstream. So, yeah, some, some comments there. But I don't know if, you, if you're able to comment on any of those things, but perhaps certainly a contact uh, you know, email address or, or website that people can connect with you. Yes. So we have a yesforyouth.co.za with the number four in the middle. The way young people write. Okay, yeah. And um, on that website, you'll be able to, if there are, <coughs> excuse me, so if there are um, particular ideas you have around entrepreneurship, there are buttons that you can push okay. for that. 
Okay, I'll tell you what we do. Just some some of the other um, <coughs> potential for maybe one call if you want to. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. But if you also wish to tweet, you can still do so. Not just now, but even later on. What I'm going to do as well is I'm going to uh, tweet some of the links to uh, basically everything around. Yes, not not just now, even later on. And we'll certainly put up a podcast of this later on. Okay, you're ready to talk. Okay, let's. Um, yeah, you were saying um, about the context, right? Yeah, I mean, one of your callers was talking um, to role models, to watching entrepreneurs, mm. and it's such an important point. You know, so many young people don't have the role models in community to even know where to go. They're, they're hanging out with other unemployed people. And this is where you know, creating networks for young people becomes so important. Can you give them exposure um, to networks outside? So one of our um, exciting projects is with LinkedIn. And LinkedIn are working on creating a bespoke yes platform where oh, young nice. people, okay. yeah, where, you mm. know, when you say, uh, you know, the difficulty with a CV and being able to put information onto a CV that um, people can read as a market signal, if you could meet someone or have a video upload, how much more powerful that would be. Now, that point around entrepreneurship and the socioeconomic conditions of your parents, the socioeconomic conditions of your parents are one of the biggest influences on where you end up. Does it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you can start to just create a job for young mothers, for young people, because a lot of these... A winter cough. We've all been battling. We've all been battling that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, young young people are often young parents. And if you can just give them that first job, the multiplier effect that that has in the community and on their kids is really dramatic. So if you look at some of the Oxfam work, they're saying the quickest path is just start people in work. Also, the correlations with education. This was really interesting for someone like me, who's a big education Mm, tiger mm, mom mm, type person. um, This was really interesting research. It's only early childhood development and formative year education that seems to have big correlations with where people get to. Actually, the best investment in education is in technology. And when we say technology, it's not necessarily circuit boards, Mm -hmm. but in in new techniques, methods, and learnings inside of business. So if you look at… Even in in, in existence, well, the Google would be a good example. I mean… At its traditional level, it's a taxi, but it's yes, not. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm. So it's it's that, but it's also about once someone is in a job and you're giving them the technologies in the job, you are giving them the tools to be instantly economically active. So the returns to economic growth are a lot quicker. If you look at Cuba, if you look at Russia, lots of tertiary graduates, but you don't see the, the growth next to it. But when you see countries like South Korea, where the, the, the money is mm. invested mm. in industry learning um, and industry transfer of knowledge into SMEs and, and young people in jobs, then you see the returns. So it's quite an interesting way of understanding okay. how people which, learn. Which, Apprenticeships. Which, gets us, which, which gets us thinking about, you know, the type of education. We've got about two minutes to go. Yes. The type of education we're receiving at, at high school, at, at, uh, at varsities. Is, is it the right type of education? I'm going to say what are our aspirations rather than the right type of education. Our aspirations that everybody needs to get a a graduate tertiary degree. We've got to make other jobs appealing because people make 
good money. I keep talking about the same stat because it's fascinating. Switzerland, one of the highest GDP per capita, one of the highest standards of mm-hmm. living, um, you know, known for innovation. 70% of the Swiss do not go to university. They go into vocational apprenticeships, artisanal vocational apprenticeships where they learn trades. And that works better and for that, the country. That works. The country is, is working. And so if we can start to give people alternate pathways, but they won't get them if we don't give them the exposure. And also TVETs and and that kind of vocational training needs to happen via industry channels because then it's industry-relevant skills that people pick up. We're going to have another discussion on this, I'm sure, sometime down the line. Uh, Lastly, presidential support, which is the first point we brought up. What what sort of support does the president give to this project? So the president endorses it because youth employment is important to him. He, uh, you know, um, um, the president is an astute businessman and I think any understanding of economics will tell you that high youth unemployment is disastrous for a country. It is what the ratings agencies mm. also look for and you don't want a country with this inequality level, 0.65 highest Gini coefficient yeah, yeah. in the world. Mm. Addressing youth unemployment will address inequality. So the president's support for yes is because he believes in youth employment. We don't get funding from government. We have the DTI Gazette, which gives the incentive. And hopefully some companies can claim ETI from Treasury. Um, But yes, is is business-led and, and, you know, supported by by business at large. And that is where we're going to leave it. Uh, I'm going to leave it to you to tweet some of the links uh, from the organization to well to us um, and to SFM Radio, SFM Viewpoint, the hashtag, I will certainly pass it on as well. Say uh, yes to youth jobs. Well, there you are. All enthusiastic, Dr. Tashmi Ismail. Heads up. This very, very important organ, I would think, um, about the best way to, to narrow that gap between rich and poor is get people employed. That's the bottom line. Yeah, youth Employment Services. Let's get the news now. It's 9 o'clock.